you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Spencer Diavola. How you doing, Ty? Finally, you <laughs> sit in this chair. We've been trying to coordinate this for a long time. That's true. That's true. I'm glad you're here. You've traveled far, my friend. Thank you for getting up early and coming in. Thanks. Glad to be here. First question, I'm going to hit you with it. Okay. You played Zac Efron stunt double. <laughs> you are the only person I've ever met that's played Zac Efron's stunt double. Okay. Yeah. Um, so funny story. Um, in Hawaii, uh, you know, we surf, we talked about surfing, right? Yeah. You lived in yeah. Hawaii for how long? Uh, almost a day, eight years. Okay. Yeah. So out there uh, working at the resort that they filmed the movie at, which is uh, the movie that I stood in for, Double Four. What movie was he filming? It was uh, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Oh, you're like, it was Baywatch, no big deal. Yeah, that one too. They did film that out there. <laughs> no, that was not me. Um, yeah, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates with Anna Kendrick and mm -hmm. um, the girl from... Oh, she's so funny too. She she like made the movie. Describe her. We'll get it. Um, she's the one from Parks and Rec. Um, Amy Poehler. Nope. Audrey Plaza. Audrey Plaza. Okay. That's it. Good. I have a picture with her. I shouldn't remember her name. She. Uh, so one of the scenes, I'm. They actually let me be in the movie, so I'm like the the best man, uh, the wedding right. Mike and Dave needs wedding dates, and um, in between takes, she's like, hey, let's get let's get like a like a prom photo because she's all dressed up nice and I've got this tux on. And so we get together, me and Audrey Plaza, and we like, we like, like I hold her around the waist and she's no like No way. This. Yeah, so. Um, I need this photo. I'll, I'll share it with you. But anyway, we yeah, took that picture. Um, but yeah, I was, I was actually mostly behind the scenes the whole movie because I was his stand-in, which is just basically somebody. So you're that, just at the resort and they come up and you're like, hey kid, you ever acted? All right, you're Efron. No, originally um, when I was teaching surfing, that's yeah. the resort I taught at, they were doing, um, filming the movie Soul Surfer. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, with Bethany Hamilton. Bethany movie. Hamilton, yeah, she gets her arm bit off by a mm -hmm. shark and then it's kind of like her redemption story, right? Yeah, yeah. How she gets back into surfing and she's still like one of the best female surfers in, yeah, my in kids the, love in the that game. Movie. Yeah, I've seen it many a time. So I'm in that movie too. Um, really? Yeah, I was teaching surfing then and, um, um, Who's Dennis Quaid is yeah. her dad yeah. and Helen Hunt plays her mom. mom. Yeah. They didn't know how to surf. So we taught them to surf so that they could surf in the movie. And while I'm teaching them to surf, they're like, hey, you look like Bethany's brother. Can Timmy you, or the Timmy other one? And, uh, Timmy, the, Timmy the bodyboarder? Timmy the bodyboarder, <laughs> yeah. And the other one, which I know they, they're both goofing in the water. Yeah. Noah is Noah. his name. Yep. And Noah rips. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, they both like to bodyboard, but yeah, they both can surf too. It's funny at the end of that movie uh -huh. because like in the credits, it shows the real Hamilton family, right? Yeah. So like Bethany's out there surfing and Noah's out there surfing and then here comes Timmy. Like, <laughs> and he's got his fins his and his boogie fins, board and yeah. he's just boogie boarding the crap out of that wave. Timmy, dude. And he slams it. Yeah, yeah. like he's doing like backflips yeah. and spins and everything. But he's still on a boogie board. He's still but yeah. on a boogie board, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're just out in Hawaii being Efron and teaching D. Quaid how to surf. That's life. Yeah, That's so that's how I got into it, right? They're yeah. like, hey, you look like Timmy, you want to double for him. So once I did that, then they had me like in their list. 
You know what happens to me when I'm on the beach? People are like, you look lost or you look like you need help. <laughs> You're like, hey kid, you want to be in movies? I love that. Fun story. Yeah. Um, so you have averaged a hundred installs a year for pretty much what four years three years the past three yeah, yeah so you're coming up on you're on 400 installs and have a goal to be legend by the end of the year next year middle of next middle year. of next year yep that's the whole that's incredible thanks a hundred installs a year there's a lot of people that come out hot right and like get it fast which we'll talk about because once you really like made this your thing you've been at the top pretty much every quarter but there's a lot of people that come in and have a good quarter, or have a good year, and then they can't find the sustainability or they can't find the consistency. Yeah. So how, what, what would you say to that? How do you have such repeated consistency in that franchise bracket? So I've had like a small epiphany as of recent, like when the first two years, it was just like, I didn't know why, right? But I was just working hard all the time. Um, I, I know we kind of talked about we might talk about what changed right between yeah. like before and now that I'm doing 100 consistently. So let's start um, where you were because you didn't you didn't come in to solar like doing 25 installs a quarter and this right. is what I'm going to do and I found my new calling. You it took you a while to to commit. We'll say and I know a lot of our listeners are in the same boat. Yeah. Like they join the company, they have these other things happening on the side. Now not everybody's Zac Efron on the side, but. <laughs> Talk, talk about what, what was your headspace when you had found the job and what, what you were deciding between. Okay, so oh, that's a, it's a good long story, but I'll let's, try to let's shorten tell it up. You okay. got time. Okay. People are driving to area needing inspiration, so let's <laughs> give that to them. Okay, so when I first started, uh, you know, did all the onboarding. Um, Adam Cox brought me in. He was my recruiter and uh, also head DM. And, He's like, hey, do you think you could do this? Do you think you could knock doors? I'm like pretty extremely competitive person in like historically. Um, I ran cross country all through high school, got a scholarship to run college. So like, like, like mentally tough, I guess. And I was like, yeah, I could do it, you know, cause I don't want to say no to anything, right? And um, when I first started, uh, I was going to school um, and playing on the golf team which is another passion of mine uh at that university i was like well i'm here i might as well just join Take the golf team thing yeah <laughs> yeah pile it on yeah um at the same time the schooling i was going for was to get a job working as a um aircraft assemblyman um coatings specialist um for northrop grumham which where where i live up in the high desert that's like the dream job. Mm -hmm. If you can land that job, you're set for life. Like I it's knock consistent. on it's super and, consistent. Yeah. yeah. Like people Where I'm from, will, it was Boeing. Okay. I'm from Seattle. So that yeah. Boeing was all my friends' dads worked at Boeing. Yeah. You yeah. worked there for 35, 40 yeah. years and then retire. And that's it. That's your life. So I was like, well, I got a family. I got to, you know, put my head down and do this for them. So working through all three of those things, I started to realize that like, I was gaining some some momentum in this, right? Nothing to be noted or you know, like praiseworthy of, just I wasn't being fired, right? That's kind of the, the thing, right? Hang on. Uh, yeah, I was hanging on, which is odd because, so when I first started, there was probably like 15 people in the office mm -hmm. and 
that was my biggest fear because I saw him drop off, drop off, drop off. And I was like, I'm not going to drop off. I'm going to win. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working right to, to show myself that I can do it. Um, so probably you know Adam. So he sold my parents. Okay. Adam sold solar to my parents. I was there at the house. And instead of being that like douche guy who's like, no, mom, dad, you shouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, idea. are you a deal killer, dude? Yeah, that's that's probably what he thought, right? He's like, oh, I got to involve him in yeah. this conversation somehow. So we started talking and <laughs> I was also licensed in real estate. So I was like, hey, hold so- on. <laughs> Surf coach, soccer or uh, cross country running scholarship, golf team, Spanish speaker, student, and this on top of that yeah okay yeah. go on yeah so all simultaneously right uh, so i was uh, um doing real estate and i was like well yeah you, i know you guys, you guys knock doors all the time if you see anybody that doesn't want to go solar because they want to sell their house call me right mm-hmm. and adam's like okay cool yeah if you sell a house and somebody wants solar give me a call and so i was like okay cool yeah that's great i'll give you a commission and adam's like oh that's fine i don't need it and i was like what do you mean like I'm going to sell a house. You referred me to somebody and in the real estate industry, it's like a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. They have like people that almost don't even sell houses. They just refer people and they have like the special contract. And it's like, Hey, I gave you that person. You owe me money. So it's a big deal. And he's like, no, I don't need it. It's like, how come you don't need it? You know, that was kind of the, the thought or my, where I was going with it. So anyway, we start talking and he's like, well, how do you find people? I knock doors to, find real estate clients and, you know, Canvas. And he's like, that's what we do too. Let's, what, do you think you can do it? And we talked a little bit about income and I was like, wow. So, you know, I could probably do the same amount of income or more selling something that's probably easier, right? So um, anyway, the original question was, well, you were talking about what what kind of made you commit. So the mindset when you first started Okay. And and how do you, because you had all these irons in the fire, right? Correct. Real estate, school, Northrop Grumman, and all these other passions and stuff. So what we commonly see is people try to do it all. Yeah. Right? Which you did for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe talk about that because I think there's a lot of people that can relate to, oh, I'm going to do this on the side while I, while I keep this other business going. And honestly, it makes sense. You would think, okay, multiple revenue streams, I'll sell houses and solar. Yeah. And go to school and have that job. Right, right. So there's something to be said with um, where your focus goes, energy flows, right? Um, And so my mind was in all these things and my energy was diverted into so many different things. Um, It was an entire year that I worked. I got the job at Northrop Grumman. I was continuing to sell solar. I worked... You, you know the story. story. Dave teases me about this all the time, but I worked the night shift. So I was selling solar during the day, normal work hours. And then at night, instead of sleeping, I would go work in this the no windows warehouse and um, put coatings on airplanes. Um, and then I would wake, I would get home probably about 4 a.m. I'd sleep till about 11 and then I would wake up and I would do it all over again. And I did that for an entire year. And um, anyway, during that time, probably a put- year. A and year. And you, you have kids at that time? Yeah. How yeah. many kids? So I had one when I started. We had our second one. 
And this is what this is what changed the the game for me. Our second son, my wife was at home feeding one of them and the other one being one year old, one and a half, was standing by her foot like crying, right? And she's like, I can't do both. I can't feed this one and calm that one. And it's bedtime and you're not here because you're painting planes in some, you know, forsaken warehouse, which I can't contact you at because it's a government facility and you can't have your cell phone, right? So she told me this and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and go 100% in, right? So it made logical sense, right? But it needed to make, I guess, emotional sense. And that was, that was the switch. When she said that, and I knew that like my family needed me, not just my income, but me, right? Then um, I left there. And just to kind of put it into, you know, without numbers, there in one year working 40 hours, I made about a quarter of what I made here working about 30 hours a week, right? So I was like, okay, I, I've proof of concept, right? I know I can do it now. So let that go 100%. And then the very next year is when I hit 101 installs. Yeah. The year before I was at like 45, right? We were so stoked for you, dude, because, you know, when I'd come up and see you and Dave would always joke every time we'd talk, he'd be like, Spencer, stop painting airplanes. And I was like, <laughs> what is that? What's this painting airplanes thing? And that's when they told me this guy works nights painting planes. And it's interesting that you said, like, when you first started working, you're, you were working to not get fired. Pretty inspiring vision. First of all, right? But you remember David Bywater used to always talk about, are you playing to play or are you playing to win? And playing to play sucks. Like yeah. it sucks to do a job to not get fired. And then I remember when you, you had committed and took off. We were really proud of you. Like it was a really awesome thing because I call it dropping the rope. Like, you know, when you're like surfing behind a boat uh -huh. and people like they want to keep surfing. So they hold on to that rope and you look at them and you're like, you're in the pocket. You could drop the rope. But then they drop the rope and they're like, oh my gosh, it unleashes like a whole new like feeling, right? Uh -huh. Like that's what it looked like to me is like, oh dude, Spencer dropped the rope. Like now yeah. you don't have this like safety thing that's holding you in the game. Now you can, some people look at it like you could lose, but you can also be really free. You could also go a hundred percent at this thing. Well, that's, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to my mind, right? Because then I was like, well, I only have one thing now, right? One thing I I didn't do real estate right I didn't I let go of my real estate license, um, I cut ties with the movie industry right I got just, out of the you got yeah, out of the acting game got out of the yeah said goodbye to Hollywood said goodbye to Hollywood <laughs> um, the cesspool of Hollywood <laughs> um, and yeah I just focused on this it was it was really cool to be able to just have clarity and and focus right on one thing and. Um, what happened was exponentially, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I just replaced these 40 mm -hmm. hours with those 40 hours. Like, no, instead of working 70 hours at two places, I worked 40 hours at one place and I doubled my production, right? Over more than doubled my production. So if your focus is on one thing, you're, you know, besides two, your, your production doesn't like get, 30% better or 20% better, like it can 100% double yeah. itself, right? Well, and just so you know, like I was looking at um, earnings the other day 
I can I compare earnings. Okay. And you're you're top ten in the entire industry, right? Like just with what you predict. Yeah. Oh well. I see the look on your face. That surprises <laughs> you. I don't know if you check your paychecks, but you earn incredibly well, right? So, what advice do you have for people that are scared to drop the rope? Because it is a, it yeah. is a, like to some degree, it feels like you're taking a risk. But the Spencer four years ahead of it is like, bro, that was no risk. It's way better. But before you drop the rope, you don't know that. Right. And I had, you know, the family and all that stuff that I knew I needed to take care yeah. of. Two little babies. And yeah. did that story of, of your, your wife, like that's re that's the realest. Like, yeah. you know, we're in that now. Like I have a lot of kids, but the 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 baby still nurses and then the two year olds at the feet. Like that's real. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So what I would say, it's like. This is what I say in like interviews. If you believe that you can do it, right? Well, then do it 100%, right? Yeah. If, if, you, if you don't think that you can do it, it's probably not the path, right? But if you can be believe that you can do it, then don't like meddle in it or dabble in it, right? Like do it, yeah. right? And it's funny because you mentioned the, the surf analogy, right? Where it's like, this is my wave, right? So you're paddling, paddling, paddling for that wave and right at the top, you're like, do I really want it? Like, am I too steep? Am I too, you know, like, yeah. um, but the, the pros and the people that are really good, like they never look over their shoulder, right? right? They never look like down the line, the right. opposite direction. They only look where they're going yeah. and what, you know, and, and the, the, the shoulder, right? Where they're, where they're gonna go. Yeah. And so. everybody else gets out of their way. Yeah. It's weird because as a, as like a, I would say I'm probably now like intermediate minus. So I'm like, I'm maybe a six out of 10. Right. And it's interesting because when I was a two and a half out of 10, man, I looked left and right constantly. I don't want to be in anybody's way. I don't want anyone to get mad at me. I don't want to screw things up. I don't know what I'm doing. Is this the right one? Is mm -hmm. it not? Now I know to do what you're saying, but I don't always do it. Right. But uh, I talked to you about this, but I was in the water um, at lowers with Kelly Slater like, a couple months ago. Yeah. And it was me, my buddy, Devin, two other people and freaking Kelly Slater. <laughs> right. Like yeah. the best surfer on the planet. Right. And uh, it was crazy because to see when Kelly starts to move, everybody gets out of his way. And he's Kelly Slater. Yeah. But the intention, the drive, the focus, you just move. Like there's a there's a quote that I love that not, I'll mess it up, but it's in um, I think it's in the seasons of life where it talks about, you know, when you see like determination like that, the universe just kind of decides we better step aside because they're powerless to stop that kind of resolve. And I see that with your path. Like when you said, OK, I'm going to do this. Then it was like, dude, we got his, his whole self. We had 30% of him before, but now at 100%, look what's happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the question that we started with, once you finally committed, how'd you find your consistency? How do you do that? Okay. So that's, that's the beauty, right? That, so what I found was, and this was like, like I said, the epiphany that I just recently had, was that the consistency comes with the, the daily win, right? Not the 
not the quarterly win, right? Like everybody sees the 25 at the end of the quarter. That's what everybody sees, right? But what, what you need to focus on is being in your hood yeah. when you're supposed to be there, right? Um, even like the win on the doors, like a lot of times I'll not, right? And I'll be with a, a person and someone will say, we're not interested, right? And I'm like, cool, no problem. I just want you to know what's going on in your neighborhood, right? And this is what's happening and this is what's happening. I'm sure we're gonna get to you guys eventually. Um, I, I can see you're busy today. We'll let you go, right? And I was like, that was a win, right? Because you, they weren't like, we're not interested. And then you walked away with your head down, right? You had some sort of momentum transferred to that person that, so it's, it's in every little thing, right? Every being there, even if you don't have any production, right? Obviously trying to make the production, which for me helped a lot, the five and two or the four and two, right? Or the five and three, whatever it was that was our, our weekly metric. If I hit that, everything else just always fell into place, right? It, and it was so much easier. Um, and getting weekly wins is fun for me just because of that competitive side. Like I don't want to turn that box green. Yeah, yeah, turn the box green. Yeah, mm -hmm. just be in there when I'm supposed to. And it, it's it's so dumb the simplicity of it right but it's you can't be consistent without consistent input right yeah like you like you can't just do 25 because we've got a guy in our office right now that for for two quarters he's been trying to do 25 mm -hmm. and he was upset the first quarter he didn't do it right and i'm like well that's the build up right the next quarter he just kept crushing um and now this quarter, he's going to hit 25, right? And he came to me and I was you know, trying to like mentor him and stuff. He's like, it's, it's what you said. It's just working more, right? Just being there. And it's dumb how simple it is, I know, but I mean, there's no magical answer to it. No, it's yeah. true though, because it's like, you know, we did a tour of um, the Navy SEAL, uh, like Bud's training ground in Coronado. Oh, yeah. And we were there on a Friday, like late afternoon after hell week and all of, you know how it is on the grinder, like the tarmac where they like just put them through all of the pain and essentially try to get them to quit. Yeah. And you know, if you want to quit, you quit anytime. You just take your helmet off, ring the bell, put your helmet in line. Well, when we were there, all the helmets were still lined up. So like in the air was like this air of like victory and defeat, like those that made it. And there were so many helmets. I have a picture of it. Yeah. There's probably 65 helmets just lined up on the row. And those are people whose life's ambition was to be a SEAL. Like they came all the way out. They did the training. They endured hell for at least the amount of time to get to hell week. Yeah. You know what I mean? And their helmet was still there by Friday. So I've always been fascinated on why did 37 people make it through this? and 63 of them quit. Why, what, what is so different? Cause they're all fit, they're all mentally strong, they're all whatever. And I asked that of the guy that was taking us through, his name's Mike, he's a good friend of mine now. And he's like, he's like the secret is like the ones that make it, they don't think very big. Like they, they don't allow themselves to get overwhelmed. Like they don't say, oh my gosh, it's Tuesday, I have to do this through Saturday. Yeah, they just they just work till sun up, or they just they just at least an hour. They just do the inputs. Yeah, they're right. like, hey, you're telling me to do push-ups, just doing push-ups. They don't think I'm so sore now, I can barely do a push-up now. How in the world am I going to do this two days from now? So don't you think that's a thing? Like a lot of times, guys will like they 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 lose 
control of the inputs because of the vastness of 25 or the vastness of a certain dollar amount or the vastness of, of oh, I have to talk to all these people or sell all these people. Right. They get lost and hopeless in that, right? Yeah. So breaking it up into bite-sized chunks, right? Just making it that that daily small effort that is never missed, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what cross country is, right? All about or endurance running, right? Is yeah, you're going to run a 100-mile race 4 months from now, 5 months from now, right? Or whatever it is. And so every day you wake up 5 a.m and you just run 15 or 10 or 20 or whatever, right? You never run a hundred, right? But you're doing all these little little increments. And um, for me, I think that that like, that training ever since I was young, I had a really, really cool, like super committed cross country coach in high school who um, you know instilled a lot of that. I think like daily effort, building over time growth in me that, that helps see that hey it's just just get through today right and um and it's always fun you know what i mean at the end of our practices like i always feel so fulfilled right yeah tired but just fulfilled stronger yeah yeah, like better better lung capacity all that stuff and i feel like that's the same way after a good day of work um what what was like the flipping point in the career or like the because mentally that's what it did, but in the career was actually the the rally, right? That was the competition. The very first, like as soon as I quit, that was the very first competition mm-hmm. that I was had an opportunity to compete in. So three years ago, I was in the um, all-star category, which I think 15 installs was my very mm-hmm. best um, a quarter. And I competed in the all-star level for the rally and I won it. And I remember still to this day, you were like, Spencer is my favorite story in Trive. And I was like, Ty knows me. (laughs) I'm his favorite story. You are because you're such a great example of that's how you do it. That's how some people come in and they have this amazing, like everything comes together and they just blow it up at the beginning. Some people have that, but they're really rare, right? And then a lot of people look at it and they're like, I'm never going to be that and they get disappointed. But more like true and more consistent is your story. Like here's a guy that could do it. No like insane talent more than anybody else, right? Just looked at and knew you could do it. But once you committed, then you just built kind of like bit by bit and you got it, but you didn't just get it. It became like a lifestyle for you. And so it's like if every rep could follow that path, that's actually how you do it. A lot of times we highlight these people that are like, look at this new guy that blasted the combine record, which is awesome. I'm so stoked on those guys. That is a talent. That's like we love watching LeBron James play because he's such a freak, right? Yeah. But when um, when somebody that's more like me that gets it bit by bit, that builds and learns, I just understand that more. I just relate to that more. And so that's the vast population of the people that, go to work every single day they're looking for inspiration they're looking for confidence they're looking for hope they're trying to brave their own path and you got it and when you got it you locked it and now it's really predictable and and now i think that that's what people should be aspiring to you know what i mean yeah Uh, well i think the coolest part about the story is that i am not anything special like never sold 
right before I taught surfing right like so if I can do it anybody can do it right it's absolutely attainable for anyone just to just I would say yeah for anybody that's brand new or that's you know three years in and has never attained that level yet right yeah just try to focus on the little bit right just find out what your what your office goal is right and then pull your weight right find out what your metric is and make sure you do whatever portion you're responsible for to be able to make that and and the consistency and being part of something bigger will just help you all along the way do you know um do you know who mel shingleton is so mel's a friend of mine he used to work here um and he's he's uh even now you know he plays like professional softball and he's just this like he's really fit he's got big muscles big old chest and he used to be a dm for us up in um thousand oaks and uh we were doing this round of seal fit which is where you know you just go for a day and they, they you take what's called a 20x challenge where the intention of the event is to show you that you're 20 times more capable than you think you are and so during this one event um it was it was five of us laying on our backs and i was right next to mel shingleton and they gave us this big like Scottish like caber, like those big logs, uh -huh. you know? And and we laid on our backs and they laid this log across all of our extended arms like an extended bench press. And they were like, don't drop this log. And they just put it on us. And we didn't know how long we were gonna have to hold it. And so it was like a perfect example of the way this job feels. Because when you first, me, being a relatively little dude, right? Next to a dude that's pretty fit, immediately what do you think's in my head? Like, okay, I'm right next to Mel. I can't let this, he's just way stronger than me, Yeah. right? And so as we're holding there in my head is like, do not drop this log, do not drop this log. And it was really hard, Yeah. right? And I'm like, from the very beginning. Now, physically, how long could I do it? I don't know, maybe 30 minutes, right? In my head, one minute to the next, Yeah. right? And so the second, the, and the seals kind of coach you through the thing and they're like, hey, don't think about dropping the log, like make your mind neutral and give yourself your, they give you like this, like you to find this mantra. And so what I kept telling myself in my head, this is totally dorky, nobody knows this, now everyone's gonna know. <laughs> but I just kept telling myself in my head, my mantra for that day was quiet mind, strong heart. Just quiet mind, shut up, shut that off. Just shut off the, I don't wanna drop this and Mel's stronger than me, just shut it off. Yeah. Cause you're both holding the log, right? Yeah and then strong heart. So when you're like mentally quiet and like your soul's on fire, that's where you need to be, right? And I notice the same thing with knocking doors where it's like, shh, just shut your brain off and let your heart just keep going, just keep going. And I think one of the things that's important is salespeople that are good, that have like the success story that you have, they find these little ways to gamify it. They find little ways to like, so in seal fit, it's like, hey, I just gotta get to the next exercise. I'm gonna give this all and then I'm gonna get to the next exercise. But for salespeople, I'm interested in like what's going on in your head because you talked about daily wins. What are they? Like, what are the inputs, right? Because to give you an example, when I was first um, selling as like my soul and I was just a salesperson, not a leader mm -hmm. or anything like that, I would have these games, right? Where I never wanted to pitch 10 people without a sale. This is in alarms. Uh -huh. So this little tally counter, if you were to see my street sheet from alarms, it's just full of just little like tallies and like streaks of five and stuff. And so what I would do is I would tick when I pitch and I would circle 
when I sell. Okay. And so I just, I played the game where I'd never get, I just try never to get 10 ticks. Yeah. Right? And it was this little thing, but it, it was a positive distraction. It's like, okay, I'm not trying to sell a hundred. I'm not trying to, you know, get financial independence for my family. I'm just trying to get a circle before I get 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So what, what little like winning the day, what, what, what classifies as, as winning the day? Y'all. Um, so yeah, most of the time it was the five and three on the week, right? So what's five Which and three? Five uh, accounts created three welcome calls. Okay. Right. That yeah, was. So you create five accounts and close at least three of them. Right. In a week. Correct. That's the yeah. game. Yeah. So, um, was nice because if it didn't do something right in a day, I didn't lose the day still. I had time left and, uh, you know, some weeks it'd be six and four, right. And some would be two and two and two. Right. But whatever it was, it was, so that was chopping it up and I had joy as dumb as it sounds, right. Just the same as ticks and circles. Right. Yeah. I had joy in, in fulfilling that goal. Yeah. Right. Um, Daily was more like what I just told you about, where every interaction was a positive one. Like that was my win was that I, I didn't walk away ever feeling demoralized or defeated. Like, hey, I left you with some you know positive information and we had a positive interaction. Um, and I think that a lot of times that that isn't the focus, you know, maybe the focus is like, I need, I need to create an account right now. Right. Yeah. Or I need to, and that's kind of like a, a below the line, like, yes. you know, from like survival anxiety. And, and when yeah, you anxiety. Say that, yeah. Like when you say I'm trying not to have a negative interaction, that's really like quiet mind stuff for me. There when you, you say I need a sale. Yeah. Even hearing those words, they vibrate different. They instill a little bit of anxiety in me and no doubt transfers to whoever you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I, that's what I think that's the change mentally day to day, just the smallest little, all I want to do is create a positive influence, right? That's all I want to do. So in doing that, I'm sure that someone's going to feel the urgency or the necessity or the, just the great opportunity that is this program that we're selling, right? Yeah. Have you listened to the seven laws of spiritual success? No, really? That's Adam Cox's favorite book. Did you know that? Uh, -uh I didn't. Know. Yeah. And you're close to the great he, Adam Cox all the time. He, I, I think anything that I've ever learned in the past five years, I have to attribute to Adam He's Cox. The greatest. He gives a ton of really good. So the seven laws of spiritual success, is Deepak Chopra, and I believe it's like an hour and 10 minutes. It's like a podcast. So oh, you okay. should listen to it perhaps on your drive home today. Thank you for right? the suggestion. You listen to the yeah. Mr. Beast podcast with Joe Rogan and listen to the seven laws of spiritual success. You'll show up at home all charged up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he uh, he talks about what he would tell his daughter. So Deepak Chopra is wildly successful and he uh -huh. has his two, I think two daughters. And in there he tells his, he tells this story. He's like, I told my daughters that I don't want you to worry about getting a good job. And I don't want you to worry about making a lot of money. And I don't want you to worry about getting into the best schools. What I want you to do is just try to do the very best job you can on the task at hand. So like if there's a report that's due, like try to do your best at that. And he's like, my daughters make incredible money. They have incredible careers and they all went to the very best schools. And so it's almost like you don't get the thing you want by pursuing it. You get the thing you want by entering into the path, 
right? Yeah. Because then all those doors open up to you. Preparing like, for it. Yeah, yeah, like so for you saying, like, I'll just do five and three every day. Well, think about that. Like it builds your habits. So now you have this like neuro pathway of things that just support five and three, like what you read, what you, what, you know, what you eat, when you get up, the way you interact with people, the way you interact with your wife, your family, all that stuff kind of like goes down that road. And ultimately that collection of habits, after you've done five and three for so long, people come to you like, hey, we want you to manage. And you're like, oh, weird, okay. <laughs> but if you start, you're like, I just want to manage. It eludes you because you haven't become the type of person that manages. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. That, that focus on inputs and your team is such a great example of that because you guys, you know, you developed the right. Thrive app and now we focus on pitches. And it's really fun to see your team because it's even gotten more that way. For you, it was sell five and three. But now it's not even that. Talk about what the focus is now for the team. Uh, so the team, right, the input, the metric that we're tracking and stressing is um, pitches, right? So just interactions with potential clients. Mm -hmm. And what we've noticed is, gosh, when you're focused on that, like, and it's a smaller picture, it's a weekly metric, right? But when you're focused on that, you don't put in that daily, that daily grind, right? That daily love. And um, we're seeing that, hey, if we know the conversion ratios, right? Well, then we just know that we have to put in the very basic principle metric and all the other ones will fall into place. So that's the whole focus of, you know, of the team right now. Um, and you're right, it's, it's neat to see as we push that metric and as we incentivize that metric and track that metric, everybody else is having the greatest quarter of their lives, right? And and with much less stress, Yeah, right? That's what I was gonna say is your team, you guys used to really struggle with retention. You really did. Like when you first started, you guys were hovering around 15 to 20 people and around 120 to 140 installs, not just quarterly, for like seven years. That's where the team was at, right? You start focusing on inputs and now I go and you've had to knock down two walls in your office to make room for the seats so that people can sit there. Yeah. They're the same type of people that were falling out before. They all look the same. It's like the same story, same background. Right. But the the headcount is like quadrupled and the levity in the office, like you're there all the time. I come in there a couple times a quarter. And so when I come in there, I'm like, wow, like these guys are, it's not like they're stoked and jumping out of their seat, but they feel good. It feels good in there because the yeah. whole focus is, hey man, you don't have to, you don't have to like install a hundred. You just gotta talk to five people today, right? Um, have you listened to Will Smith's book? Which one? So he just he just came out with this new book. Oh, it's okay. awesome. It's okay. like a, it's a great. So Will narrates it, so it's oh, like really okay. fun. Yeah. It's just called Will, and he starts with this story um, about one year when he was like, I think he was like ten. His dad had this business, this business selling ice in Philadelphia. And um, he told his, his Will and his brother that their job was to build this wall. So they were knocking down this wall. They had to, like, like a mason wall, like they had to build a brick wall. Brick wall. And they were yeah. kids. So I think of my kids and it's like, dude, I can barely get them to clean up their wet towel off the carpet, let alone <laughs> build a brick wall. And so he talks about like when they first started, it was grindy, kind of like this job, right? Like when you go knock, oh, it's so grindy, it's so hard. Oh, I gotta knock all these doors. And then, um, they would look at it and they'd be so overwhelmed. Like, how are we, this is going to take us, it might as well have been like the Great Wall of China, you know? Yeah. And 
one day his dad said to him, he came outside and he's like, stop talking about the wall. There is no wall. There's this brick and your job is to lay this brick perfectly. And then once you lay this brick perfectly, lay another brick. And so he had talks, he talks about how like all of the success in his life has come from the idea that there's no wall, there's just this brick. So do that. And then he's like, eventually we, at the end of a summer, we, we built a wall, we did it, you know? And he talks about how that was like a fundamental principle for his whole life. And I look at this job and it's like, just lay the brick. Can you lay one brick? Yes. All right. Go talk to him and do that five times. That's it. Yeah. And then you look at it four years later and you're like, oh my gosh, four consistent years of a hundred about to be a legend with 500 installs, better home life balance, you know, more people in your family than before. You have three kids now, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. Added one more since then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, think, like, that's why you're my favorite story. Like, it's like, man, if everybody, and every time I see you, you're light and happy, despite difficulties and challenges and setbacks and things that didn't go the way you always wanted them to. But when you look at the whole picture, you're winning, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not a, not a bad thing that has happened for me since I put my focus in one place. Um, in fact, so originally, and you mentioned it, the focus was to, to build, to make accounts, right? To sell lots and lots and lots of accounts. But then I got offered the management position, right? And then I started learning on how to help other people progress, which, you know, led me to read books like Good to Great and, you know, um, how to win friends and influence others. And most yeah, of these book all was written pushed before by... the 1900s. <laughs> Crazy, huh? <laughs> yeah, like Dale Carnegie wrote How to Influence or How to Win Friends and Influence People in what? Like, I think it was 1890. I could be yeah, wrong. Right before the, yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't but know. it's like the oldest book ever. It's, and I was and like, it's so good. It's so good, yeah. It's yeah. so good. And never read it, right? I'm not a reader, right? But I was like, okay, now I found myself in a position where I need to progress more. Because if not, that I'm not helping the people that were entrusted to me, right? So now, while doing the same amount of volume, right, um, which is cool, right, that didn't drop off. Now I get to also help other people and, you know, give trainings and stuff. Obviously, you've been doing it for years. You know what it takes to not only do your own production, but but train a team. You're one of the best ones at it. And, um, and it's neat just to be able to just be grateful for the opportunity to be consistent in a place that rewards, you know, consistency and self-growth, right? One of the other quotes I heard, I was going through my mind before this interview, like all of the things that I've learned just in passing here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, gosh, I should write them down because there's so many like lead from the front, right? Of course. Um, we've got how you do anything is how you do everything, mm -hmm. right? Um, we've got, um, oh, the Atomic Habits um, mantra, which is, um, I explained, I said it to you the other day in our, in our uh, presentation for the, for the quarters. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's escaping me. It's gonna come but to you in a burst of inspiration shortly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just neat. It's just neat to be able to honestly be around, uh, you know, you are who you spend the, 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 the five most people, you, five people you spend the most time with, mm -hmm. right? Like all of these things I'm learning since being here. And yeah, maybe I would have learned some of them somewhere else. Maybe I would have learned them 
in the dark corner painting planes, but I highly doubt it. Like, yeah, I doubt that. Yeah, this place is just a, like a petri dish of like growth and and like self mastery, and I'm just so so thankful that I was fortunate enough to stumble into it. Um, and meet, meet you know meet all you guys and yeah, given these the opportunities. Way. I feel the same way. I, I I've said this before, but my dad. Um, my dad is an executive banker. We're about to go on a motorcycle trip this weekend. He's going to be here later today. And uh, he used to always tell me when I sold alarms in the summer, he had it, it, multiple times, he said, you know, you're overpaid. And at first I, that bothered me, right? Like, and he's my dad. Like, it's not like it, I was mad, but he was like, I was like, you, like, we knock doors, man. We travel, like we, we, we were sleeping in hotels. We're, we're grinding, like not overpaid. But when you look at not just the American workforce, but you look at the amount of people, the 7.8 billion people alive on this planet and the life you have, like, okay, conceded, completely overpaid, right? Yeah. And then you look at, at the more you learn, the more aware you become of that. Like Dave Logan that wrote Tribal Leadership talks about like once you get to that level five level, you become so acutely aware of the unique position that you find yourself in, whether it's through your own development and your own effort, or just, I mean, you're alive in 2022 in the most prosperous time in human history. So you didn't yeah. do a whole lot to achieve that, <laughs> right? Like, right. so when thanks, you, Ma. yeah, thanks, Ma. <laughs> uh, so when you think about that, like the more developed you become, you should become more aware of like, just how lucky we are to be here. Like, you know, we have a tribe shirt that says happy to be here. And it's like, I literally like look around every now and then where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yes, you work hard, 100%. And you work harder than most people. But there is a rhythm to like the planet and there's like a way to create stuff and you've kind of found it. And so when you find that, you know, the alchemist talks about like the universal language, like you're speaking the universal language of abundance and growth and uh -huh. creation and stuff like that. Yeah. And I always say, who would have thought? Who thought it's here? Like maybe you would have learned it or learned it in the dark corners of painting planes because who would have thought you would have learned it on the mean streets of Victorville or wherever you're knocking out in the high desert. You right. know what I mean? Like, so I think it's really important to be hyper aware of all the factors that play into the experience that you're having. Right. Because although you've had a lot of success, no one's self-made like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, that's probably going to be the last secret to consistency would then be gratitude. Right. Which keeps that circle flowing. Right. Instead of, being entitled and then you know production dropping and whatever like the spiral instead you're just you know continue to produce be able to you know, be consistent know where that production comes from you know from efforts and from the opportunity and be grateful for that opportunity so that you continue to put back into it right and that's why now right that i've had three three years in a row of 100 installs um, I'm just, can, I just want to keep putting back into it. Right. Yeah. I just want to keep putting back in. Yeah. I like, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, the, the, you know, the, the Midas touch, right? You're like you touch something, it turns to gold. You touch something, it turns to gold. It's like, you're not gonna be like, well, I got all this gold. I'm going to go over here. Like, yeah. Why not keep touching you're in stuff? The pocket, right? You're in the pocket. Like how yeah. different does the pocket of the wave feel? to the closeout section or the flat section. It's, it's where all the energy is. It's, it's where, where all the energy is. It's yeah. surfing is a Stoke. completely different place is, right. in the pocket. Yeah. 
right? Where the yeah. speed of the wave is, where it'll push you, where you can push against it. Mm-hmm. But for so many people, you're right outside the pocket, but you're in the pocket. Don't for, screw it up. Fortunately, yeah, right? don't screw it up. I'm no. so grateful to be in the pocket. Right? <laughs> yeah, keep that, keep that stay, flowing. Stay in the pocket. Um, so what are, what are some of the goals you have long-term? Maybe just even outside of work, like what are you excited about uh, okay. in the next 10 years? So other goals. Um, my kids right now um, are five, four and one and a half. Oh, dude, those are great years. Super awesome. Yeah, it's great so fun. Years. It's so one fun. One and a half. So, all right. So, um, what we did was um, the last house that we we're in, and I love working with my hands. Right, um, when surfing was a big thing, like I would shape, I would play with shaping boards mm. and and uh, you know and waxing them and finishing them, whatever. Right, doing like the work, wrapping on, yeah. them. Yeah, block, doing all the uh, fiberglassing, everything. Um, um, so at our old house. A lot of times you'll like hire somebody to do something because hey this job is important and you got to do it but like we needed a retaining wall and so i was like i go buy some retaining wall bricks and do it not for the saving money i'm gonna conjure up some raw materials (laughs) and make myself a wall (laughs) not for saving money aspect but but just because for the pure joy of building something i just love to to do that um so right now you ask for long-term goals but the long-term goal is that I want to um, create an environment in our home where, and I had a I had a small like glimpse of this just the other day, where um, you know the children can play, you know, safely outside because I think it's insanely important that kids are outside. We we're talking about the toxicity of social media just earlier, and that'll keep them, you know, I think grateful for you know earth and trees and fresh air and whatnot. Um, and then, uh, being able to give my wife that, that, um, relaxation that she needed so bad, right back three years ago or four years ago when she was nursing one baby and the other one was standing at her feet and she couldn't physically, you know, help both children. Like, that's what I want to give her is that, that peace of mind that, Hey, you can be and always at a, at a place of comfort and that our children will always be safe. And so what we're doing this is- This is one hell of a retaining we're, wall. We're You're building, building that. that. Yeah. All right. I'm building- It's that. not just a wall. It's a metaphorical- It is, it is a metaphorical safe haven right. for the people you love most. All right, let's that's keep it. going. That's it. So uh, so yeah, we, uh, you know, we, we're building this retaining wall, um, putting in a, a fence uh, around the pool, making Know, making uh, our backyard just a just a really safe outdoor haven, right? Yeah. A place that the, so that's that's I guess that short term. I think in long term. So when I very first interviewed for a DM position, it was actually for I think the Palm Springs yeah. office, and you know I said, hey guys, um, you know, I've done pretty well, and I, I'd like to see if there's another room opportunity for growth. And, you know, you guys recognized it and gave me that opportunity in my own office that I was already in, which once again, infinitely grateful for. Um, but when I, when I wanted that, when I was looking into that, I think back then they asked me, Hey, well, what's your five-year plan? And I said, yeah, you know what? I, I want to like, I want to get this house in Hawaii because that's where I moved here from. That's where I, you know, like, I love the the Aina, the Hawaiian word mm-hmm. for land. You know, um, I just I love the atmosphere. 
people, culture, everything is beautiful. And I was like, and then, yeah, I'll just probably live there and retire, right? And now I realize how stupid of a answer that was to an interview question because if you're looking for- <laughs> You're like, listen, I'm just trying to get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're looking for a manager, you're not going to get somebody who's like, yeah, my goal is to make you know enough money to buy a home in Hawaii and then peace out. Like, <laughs> Duh, Spencer. Like, how Why funny. didn't you think of that earlier? So, um, but no, the more I recognize, you know, the long-term opportunity of this place, like, I just want to keep that circle moving. I just want to continue to be grateful no matter what percentage of the income bracket I'm in, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you told me the story about this multimillionaire who, you know, shares a condo and, you know, doesn't like, he's like, I don't don't really need money. What do I need money for? Yeah, yeah, like uh, my wife's from Bolivia. Right. So yeah. her and I, we've discussed like, hey, what can we do to, you know, start to give back to like the people that you grew up with in Bolivia? Like, what can we do, you know, to maybe bring your parents over to the United States and see if you know they can build a life out here? Um, out there is a little bit um, sketchy um, politically right now, you know, with the environment. They're um, big supporters of Russia. We don't have to get into politics, but it's a scary place to be. Right. And so. It's, um, that's the long-term goal now, right? Is like family safe, right? In all aspects, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and then I just wanna keep giving back now. I wanna keep giving back to feeding the circle that fed me, right? Yeah, of, of opportunity, hard work, um, goals that push your limits, right? And then gratitude, I feel like that's, Opportunity, hard work, goals that push your limits, and then gratitude. I love that. This concept of circles is really cool. I thought about that for a couple of years. I had some training on just circles. You know, the sales cycle is a circle. Uh-huh. The you know, the kind of the the, the seasons and it, it's all like circular. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's there's this there's this song I was thinking about. Um, by, I think it's Me Without You, and Haley Williams sings on it, and Haley Williams is incredible. Uh-huh. Um, but it, they just repeat this like poem. I don't see if I remember, but it's something like all circles presuppose they'll end where they begin, but only in their leaving can they come back round. All circles presuppose. And it just uh-huh. goes around and around and around. But really, that's the thing. You've managed to stay in that circle that, you know, it's interesting because on your second trip around, think about it. Like my first goal when I entered direct sales was make enough money to go to school and not have to work. It's as big as I could think. It was first circle, right? Yeah. So in my leaving, I went out to California, made some money, and then I came back. And I entered the circle, but I'd, I'd done around, like I'd, I'd learned some stuff, right? So yeah. then it was like, okay, well maybe, maybe I wanna buy my first house. And you go out and you go, like you work on that for a little bit, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But now you're to the point where it's crazy because you look at like four years after like going these circles, now you're like, how do I give back to the country of Bolivia? you just get better and better right and so i think it's really important like how many people do you know how old are you 36 yeah so how many people do you know that actually retire at 36 that you know personally yeah like you make enough money to retire in a couple years right right but how many people do you know that do that it's very rare generally the people that that option is available to become something and then learn oh my gosh my my view has expanded and i can do more and they they their their vision expands and then they keep working not because they have to but because there's something now that they're working towards you know like mm. it's really cool it'd be awesome to see like what you're working on in 10 years you know and like what what your mind is opened up to 
in that period, you know? For sure. No, absolutely. I, I think every single time I've done the circle, I've been like, wow, <laughs> the more I know, the more I realize I know nothing, right? Yeah. That's the, yeah. now. that's exactly where I, be, I get back to this number one, right? And I'm like, gosh, I, I need to learn all these things, right? Because yeah. then I can be, you know, more productive, more helpful, more, you know, just share more. And I think you hit it on the head. That's like, that's that's it, right? That's the, the thing. So starting the circle, a lot of people are having trouble with that. But if you know that like you holding the wood, right? Next right? to Mel, dude. The Next to Mel, guy. right? That it's not how long do I have to hold this? It's like, no, I'm never going to stop holding this, right? Yeah. But what's going to happen is every minute that passes, I'm going to get stronger. Yeah. And so holding this will become easier. Um, in Good to Great, they give a story about um, this Vietnam War veteran. They, they asked him, well, what's, what's the difference between you? You made it a prisoner of war 12 years, right? And, you know, like you had bones broken. Like they wanted to film him. Uh, like, oh, look, we're treating your your generals good. Yeah. And they wanted to send it over to the United States. And he like hit himself with a with a uh, with a stool and like cut his face so that like they couldn't use him for propaganda. Yeah. Like what 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 made you do it? What made you? And he's like, yeah. just knowing that there there may be no end. Right. Because the people that the people that didn't make it were the ones that thought, oh, I'll be out by yeah, Christmas. That's right. I'll be out by Easter. Yeah. Right. And then they were disillusioned every time Christmas and Easter passed every time. And he's like, this may never end. Right. But all I have to think about is the next minute or the next day or just helping my comrade get through his next torture session. Mm -hmm. Right. And so <laughs> we're, we're comparing knocking on doors <laughs> to this like not even in the same realm right like that's a full other unfathomable like scenario but it's the circle right, right? that's exactly what got him through that whole thing was that there is no leaving the circle it's not i'm out by june right and so now i guess i understand that and that's my long-term goal right is to continue in that circle whereas at first I just didn't want to get booted out of the circle, yeah. right? It's different. That's yeah. cool. It's cool yeah. to see that every lap you've come back and regrouped and jumped back in with more, you know, it's the same thing with surfing. It's like, okay, I learned and now I'm jumping back in. We were talking before they started recording and, you know, I've only been surfing for a couple of years and you'd seen me in one of my very early surf sessions, right? And it's like, yeah. <clears throat> when I think back on that day, it was probably what, three, four years ago? Yeah, probably about four so years ago. I've been surfing, right? Four years it was like ago. one of my second boards. Yeah. Or second or third board. Um, like the things that I've learned since then, the places I've been, and now when I jump back in the ocean, how different it is. And I said to you, I was like, I want to surf with you now. Like if you still think that that's who I was or yeah. who I am, I, I'm so excited to show you now that yeah. I can actually do it. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like it's, that's, a, that's a good way, I think, to look at life. Um, well, keep being our favorite story and tribe, dude. I love this. Thank you Thank so you. much for sharing with us. You're an easy person to root on, and I'm excited to see what comes next for you, dude. Thank you. Appreciate it, Ty. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers.
If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.